The first reading is Psalm 14. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt, their deeds are vile. There is no one who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven on all mankind to see if there are any who understand, any who seek God. All have turned away, all have become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. Do all these evildoers know nothing? They devour my people as though eating bread. They never call on the Lord. But there they are, overwhelmed with dread, for God is present in the company of the righteous. You evildoers frustrate the plans of the poor, but the Lord is their refuge. Oh, that salvation for Israel would come out of Zion. When the Lord restores his people, let Jacob rejoice and Israel be glad. Thank you, Rachel. Uh, and now I'd like to ask Elaine to bring us a second reading. Thank you. Second reading is from Isaiah, chapter 59, verses 1 to 4 and 15 to 21. Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear. For your hands are stained with blood, your fingers with guilt. Your lips have spoken falsely, and your tongue mutters wicked things. No one calls for justice, no one pleads a case with integrity. They rely on empty arguments, they utter lies. They conceive trouble and give birth to evil. Truth is nowhere to be found, and whoever shuns evil becomes a prey. The Lord looked and was displeased that there was no justice. He saw that there was no one. He was appalled that there was no one to intervene. So his own arm achieved salvation for him, and his own righteousness sustained him. He put on righteousness as his breastplate, and the helmet of salvation on his head. He put on the garments of vengeance and wrapped himself in zeal as in a cloak. According to what they have done, so will he repay wrath to his enemies and retribution to his foes. He will repay the islands their due. From the west people will fear the name of the Lord, and from the rising of the sun they will revere his glory. For he will come like a pent-up flood that the breath of the Lord drives along. The Redeemer will come to Zion, to those in Jacob who repent of their sins, declares the Lord. As for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit who is on you will not depart from you, and my words that I have put in your mouth will always be on your lips, on the lips of your children, and on the lips of their descendants, from this time on and forever, says the Lord. Those uh, readings were from our uh, readings for, well, you'll you'll either have just read them this week or you'll be about to read them this week, depending on which way around you're doing the uh, the essential Jesus readings. Um, I'd like to invite Dan to come and speak to us now. Um, We'd we'd asked Dan to come and speak long before we started on essential Jesus, so we sort of gave him the the general theme of, of 
what this week is, but we've kind of given him the latitude to do what he thinks God is telling him to, to speak any, about anyway. So I'd like to ask Dan to come and bring us God's word now. I'll go on this one because I have a tendency to wonder when I'm speaking, which is always good. So I'll, I'll stick with this one um, and then we'll go through. When um, Elaine asked me to come and speak, it was back in January, and I know you hadn't settled into your Essential Jesus course. And when I got the title uh, 10 days ago or so, and it was the need for a saviour, I, th- I kind of thought, well, to be honest, if God's hand's not on that one, then I'm not sure what is, because it just sits really perfectly with what I think what God is saying to me, what he's doing through Active Hope. And this morning, I'm just going to go through several points linked to your verses for this week. Um, a lot of the examples I'm going to draw out of what we see in day-to-day life in Active Hope, um, and I suppose how I, how I see the world as a need of a saviour. As I was um, thinking about praying for this, I was initially drawn to the um, Superman film. And there was a brilliant quote in one of the recent remakes of Superman, which was, if the world doesn't need a saviour, why are there so many people crying out for help? And I think it's a real, it's one of those moments where Hollywood kind of did something quite spiritual, uh, even if it was with Superman. (laughs) But that quote, in a sense, was the start of where I wanted to go this week, in the sense that I think we live in a world where people don't acknowledge that they need a saviour. They don't acknowledge that God is interested in their life. They don't acknowledge that maybe even they have personal need and yet their life cries out for help. Even if it's not with their voice, their life cries out for help. And we see it week in, week out with the children we're working with, with the families we support through our work, that the effects of family breakdown are just devastating. Children growing up with absent fathers, um, children growing up in extreme poverty with the effects of addiction in their households um, a lack of aspiration a lack of hope a lack of self-esteem we unfortunately see this family after family after family after family and it's really heartbreaking Genesis 3 one of your readings this week sort of draws in and, and talks about the fall of man and how sin entered the world and as we look at the effects that sin have we, we, we just we live in a broken world and i don't think you have to watch too much news to recognize how broken our world is at the minute and the effect that i think i observe in society is that people try to cram stuff into life to bring satisfaction to bring completion to bring some form of happiness and um The second reading, Exodus 32, talking about the golden calf, I think it's amazing how the weaknesses of man are the same now as they were thousands of years ago. That, you know, as we look into Exodus and the people of Israel were were really struggling, the solution was, well, let's build something out of gold and we'll call on it for help, you know, and we'll worship it and maybe that will bring us some happiness. And obviously that didn't go down too well with Moses, but there was a real sense of they were trying to just grasp hold of something that they felt would make a difference there was a french philosopher who wrote that there's a god-shaped hole in each one of us and although those exact words might not be in scripture i think the theme and the heart of that can be found very much in scripture that actually we are made with a cry out to god whether we recognize what that is or not there's a dissatisfaction in people that can only be fulfilled in a fulfilled relationship with jesus christ and 
if, you, if we sort of imagine that God-shaped hole in us, that God-shaped hole in people's lives, and they're trying to pack into that material wealth, a nice new car, perhaps at the other end of the spectrum, just trying to pack it in with going into debt to buy a new telly, because that will bring happiness, drugs, alcohol, inappropriate relationships, new relationships, new relationships. And the dissatisfaction that's in people's heart, they're not ready for those relationships. And family breaks down and the circle continues. And people don't recognize that actually what their life is screaming out for is God. They don't actually recognize that that's what the need is in their life. We see, unfortunately, so many families where the desire to fill that gap is so strong that it becomes a destructive force. It becomes kind of the, the negative focus in their life. Um, the reading that we had just before uh, that Rachel read starts off saying, the fool in his heart says there is no God. And I think people twist their need and their hurt and their um, lack of satisfaction as evidence that there is no God. How can there be a God? Because I feel like this. How can God exist? Because my life's this. Rather than actually thinking, do you not see your life is screaming out for God? It's, it's, there was an illustration a few years ago from a, um, a guy called Paul McGee, and it was the beach ball illustration. And it was sort of, if you imagine a beach ball in the middle of the room, and you know what? It's one of those sort of striped ones which have got the colours around, and I can look at that beach ball. And I say, well, the beach ball's um, it's red and white. But then Brian over there might be looking and saying, no, don't be stuffed. And it's blue and white. I can see it's blue and white. It's right in front of me. And then Malcolm might be at the back and say, fellas, it's, it's yellow and white. I can see it. We're all looking at the same beach ball, but we're looking at totally different things. And I think people look at the issues in life and see totally different things. They don't see that it's their life crying out for God. They see that as almost evidence there is no God. How can there be a God if I feel like this, if this is going on? Unfortunately, what we see time and time again is that it's a bit of a foreign concept especially with the children we work with, that they're worth something. They don't see value in themselves. They don't see a value in their family. That it, it almost becomes ingrained in them that they're a bit useless and they're not really worth anything because they don't have the effort put into their life. They don't, they're not surrounded with good things. And by good things, I don't mean material things. I mean love, hope, forgiveness, grace, the things that the Holy Spirit instills in our hearts. People just don't realize that actually they're looking for God. It's amazing, isn't it, how at times of great tragedy, like we've been in as a world in the last week, that at times like that, national leaders actually say, you know, we need to turn to prayer. You know, and, and actually there kind of is an understanding within humanity that when we're at rock bottom, that that's where we go. There's kind of a, a cry out inside of us. And it's so tragic that it takes us to get to rock bottom before we cry out. And it happens in our own lives, doesn't it? Sometimes we forget to take God into the every little bit of every single day. And it's only when things are going a bit pear-shaped, they actually remember to get on our knees and, and, and get into God's presence. But how do people... In society, how do the people alongside us, how do our friends, our family, how do they recognize that there is a need for a savior? There's a verse in Romans, Romans 10, 14, which I'm continually challenged by. And it says this, Romans 10, 14, how then 
Can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone telling them? And how can they be told unless unless someone is sent? I'll just read that again. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without being told? And how can they be told unless someone goes? And it's it's the challenge to us as Christians of how we live our lives. Do our lives tell people? Do our lives sort of, are they different alongside the people we have? You know, are we a, a Clark Kent who keeps a Superman thing like hidden underneath his vest and he runs off to a phone box to get changed before he flies out? Because I think sometimes as a church, as the church, we fall into the trap of thinking, well, I'm not, I'm not sorted, so how can I help anyone else get sorted? How can I help someone when there's so much going on in my life? You know, and I think we actually fall into the trap of feeling like we've got nothing good to give sometimes because we're struggling. At the front of our church for a while we had a, a, a banner up that said no perfect people allowed. And it was a good reminder that, well, <laughs> Darren, our pastor and my friend, um, he says if, if you're looking for a perfect church, if you ever find it, don't join it because you'll spoil it. You know, and we are all imperfect and that's why we need a saviour the world is imperfect and that's why it needs a saviour and our job is to be imperfect in a wonderful way but point the way to Jesus I don't know if you've ever seen the film Avengers Assemble I know some of you may, I'm looking at the audience some of you may not, but it's kind of this idea of all these different superheroes kind of coming together and they're all completely dysfunctional and they all don't really like each other but actually they all bring something very different that ultimately works together and it's kind of like the disciples that when you look at the disciples that Jesus called they were quite a dysfunctional crew they were all called from very different backgrounds they all some of them had like wealth some of them didn't some of them had jobs some of them didn't some of them were sort of social outcasts some of them were very um, key in society and actually Jesus took this group of quite sort of ragtag people that you really wouldn't put together and he changed the world with them absolutely changed the world and we're called to be Jesus disciples to go out and we are called to be that kind of um, super team with what we've got that's all we're called to give what we've got we're not called to be anything else and I think when we do that we share God's love in a way that reminds the world that it needs a savior it's not our job to fix it it's not our job to save it it's our job to point them to God, it's our job to share his love. We have that responsibility. The Great Commission says, go and make disciples of all men. It's our job. It's far bigger than what happens on a Sunday morning when we come together, that this is our springboard into our week, into our work settings, into our families, into our neighborhoods, to live our life, to be aware of the need. Within Active Hope, we see, unfortunately, time and time again, that society doesn't recognise that it's, it's, it has a need of God, it has a need of a saviour. And one of the big things that we do, how God uses us, is that we break down the preconceptions and the misconceptions about Christians and about God. Um, I believe that we are a, a tool that God uses to prepare the soil. That we're hearing increasing stories of children and young people we've worked with and their families walking through the doors of local churches and I believe that's because their preconceptions about who God is have actually been broken down a little bit that the assemblies we're sharing are just starting to make a little bit of sense 
I would love for you guys this morning to leave knowing a little bit more about Active Hope and how you can send us within that verse in Romans. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one they have not heard? That breaks my heart that there is a society, there are children growing up who have not heard that God loves them. They have not heard it anywhere. How can they respond to a God they've not heard? How can they hear without someone telling them? It's our job to tell them. And when I say our job, I mean our job. And the local church has a local community around it. Your friends, your neighbours, your local school. And it's brilliant, the involvement. You can hear it in your prayers, in your plans for Christmas, that you're involved in your local community. Um, The great thing with Active Hope is we're a tool, hopefully the local church uses, to reach into the communities where there isn't a connection with a local church, where there isn't a connection with Christians. And we want to just shine God's light into some very dark little lives. And the local church helps us to do that. Um, We've got lots of info about how we do do that. And I'm not going to turn this into a big Active Hope talk this morning, aside from just saying, please don't leave without knowing a little bit more of how you as a church can use us and support us in ensuring that the community of Warrington knows they need a saviour. Because it's a really powerful theme, isn't it? That, that thought that actually we, there is so much need in Warrington. Warrington is a, is a weird place. I mean, that's just, you could almost finish there, couldn't you? Warrington is a weird place, amen. Uh, it is a weird place. But it's a weird place demographically that the outskirts of Warrington are really um, quite affluent. And the, the middle of Warrington is in the bottom 10% nationally for multiple signs of deprivation. So we have people around the outside of Warrington. This is a missional challenge for you guys at church because the people around the outside of Warrington often don't see that they have a need because they live in slightly bigger houses, they drive slightly bigger cars, they perhaps have jobs and are employed and have finance and you know, kind of feel like they're in control of things. And that's a really different missional challenge because those people kind of feel... Amen. Um, those people feel quite sorted. And sometimes it takes really tragic things to happen in life before they actually question what's going on. In the centre of Warrington, we have a very contrasting picture. We actually have people who have an awful lot less and an awful lot more need, an awful lot more social deprivation, more likely to be affected by drugs, alcohol, crime. A lot of the churches that are affected in Warrington are kind of in the outskirts. And then there's a few churches in the centre, not too many, if I'm being honest, not too many in the communities we're working in. And uh, we go and shine light into the dark in Warrington. And it's a great privilege to do that. So this morning, as we think about the need for a saviour, I hope you recognise the personal need for a saviour in your life. Um, If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and saviour, speak to one of the elders here, speak to someone here, because it could be the start of an incredible journey for you. But I think my prayer this week is that we grasp as the church how we can shine God's light out into Warrington and beyond and how we can share by our actions, our words, how amazing Jesus is and what a difference he makes in our life. I'm just going to pray. Father God, I thank you so much that you are our saviour. I thank you so much that you loved us enough to go to the cross and die for our sins that we can have a living daily relationship with your father, God in heaven. Father, I pray that you will help us to live out a life that screams your love at every opportunity. I pray that you will help us to reach out into our communities and into Warrington, Lord God, and surrounding areas, and that we, as your church, as your disciples, as your ill-equipped and imperfect people, Lord God, will be equipped by your Holy Spirit to do something amazing. 
I pray for this church, Lord God, as they go through the Christmas season, that it will be a tremendous witness into this community, that people will walk through the door who have never even considered coming to church before. I pray for great opportunity for conversations, giving out these invites, Lord God. And I pray that this week you will just shine your light out of us so brightly. In Jesus' name, amen. I'll just quickly flag a couple of things that if you need to dash today, please grab and dash. Um, On the Active Hope table at the back, there's a few different ways you can just find out a little bit more about what we are doing in Warrington and surrounding areas um, and different ways you can get involved. If you're interested in helping to finance us, even a small amount of money each month can change a child's life in Warrington. And if you're interested in that at all, please pick up one of those packs. That would be wonderful. And in terms of fundraising, which we do a lot of, we're doing another clothing collection this year. The Yellow Flyer is that. If you fancy climbing Snowdon, like a very faithful team did last year from here, um, and getting sponsored for it, that's happening in July. There's a flyer about that one. If you play golf, which I know some people do, uh, we have a fundraising golf day next May. Um, If you'd like to be kept in touch by email, by different ways, leave us your contact details. We try to send out encouragement, prayer requests, um, stories of what we're doing. Um, with the children, young people in Warrington and surrounding areas, but really appreciate being invited here. The benefit of me not having to tell you too much about Active Hope is that you can ask Andy any week, and hopefully he'll be able to tell you something interesting and inspiring from that week. But we really do appreciate you. I do want to publicly thank you as a church as well for the gift of the minibus this year that you felt come to the end of its time here. It is blessing children every single week in Warrington. It is helping to facilitate projects. Um, literally hundreds of children have you been using that minibus as we're going on so it is being put to very very good use so thank you very much for that Um, but yeah I'll be loitering near the table at the end if you want to come and grab me but thank you very much thanks Dan and thanks for all the work that you and the team do in Active Hope Um, it's probably worth and I hope Dan won't mind me sort of saying this but it's probably worth reminding you that Dan and his team aren't anyone particularly special. You know, they're just ordinary folk who've been given gifts by God and they've chosen to use those gifts for God. Um, And, you know, if nothing else, they really need our prayer support. Um, So just urge you all to, to remember active hope in your prayers.